NSPE Speaks, the brand new podcast from the National Society of Professional Engineers. NSPE is the only national organization dedicated to addressing the professional concerns of licensed professional engineers. Being a PE means a commitment to hold the public health, safety, and welfare above all considerations. NSPE's more than 80-year history has focused on this core principle, held by professional engineers across all disciplines and practice areas. In NSPE Speaks, we'll be bringing you segments focusing on key content areas, such as NSP and state society news and advocacy, ethics, and ways the society is working for you. We'll also include conversations with PEs and others doing important and interesting work, as well as fun and off-the-beaten-path engineering-related content that you might otherwise miss. Your hosts will be members of the NSPE content team. Me, Senior Staff Writer and Content Editor, Eva Kaplan-Leisterson. Associate Editor, Danielle Boykin. Staff Writer, Matthew McLaughlin. And Senior Manager of Public Relations and Outreach, Stacey Ober. But other key participants include you, our audience members. We want to make this podcast interactive, so we'll be looking for opportunities to get you involved. We hope you enjoy, and please let us know what you think at podcast at nspe.org. We'll start by highlighting some recent headlines from NSPE. You can find more about these at nspe.org or via links in our show notes at nspe.org forward slash podcasts. We've all heard about the devastating water crisis in Flint, Michigan. NSPE, like many across the country, has been following this issue. Water quality is both an important issue for the public health, safety, and welfare, and an area in which many society members work. The Society has released a statement offering its support and resources to the City of Flint and the State of Michigan to gain a better understanding of the circumstances involved so they can be avoided in the future. Look for continuing coverage in PE Magazine and other content channels. Matt, you have something for us on structural licensure? Yeah, in February, uh, NSPE expressed some concern about legislation being considered in Oklahoma that would amend the state's engineering licensure law to permit a structural engineering designation for structural engineers. This change, the society believes, would undermine the existing process for licensing professional engineers in Oklahoma and possibly other jurisdictions. Uh, In a letter to the chair of the Oklahoma Engineering Licensure Board, NSPE President Tim Austin, PE, explained that continued recognition of PE licensure as a defining qualification for practice is critical to guaranteeing the trust and protection of the public. He also noted the defeat of a motion in August that would have protected the structural engineer title and restricted SE practice in the model law published by the National Council of Examiners for Engineering and Surveying. How about you, Danielle? I hear there's some activity on QBS in the States. Well, uh, NSP continues to back its state societies in promoting qualifications-based selection for obtaining engineering services for public projects and stopping the erosion of QBS laws already in place. In February, NSP President Tim Austin sent a letter to Kansas state legislators in response to a report claiming that the Department of Transportation could save money by eliminating the use of QBS to procure design services. In his letter, he clearly established that QBS protects the public and also benefits small firms and promotes technical innovation. On a more positive note, there is a Michigan bill that seeks to implement a QBS process for local agencies. If passed, local government agencies and entities will have to secure design services for proposed projects by evaluating and choosing a firm based on the firm's qualifications, which includes the ability of the firm's professional personnel and its past record and experience. 
Tim Austin also sent a letter encouraging Michigan legislators to support House Bill 5238. Eva, there's all this talk about autonomous cars lately. NSP is taking some steps in this area, is that right? Yes, NSP, as part of its mission to highlight the importance of PEs to the public, has been pushing ahead with its focus on autonomous vehicles, particularly in ensuring that the development of vehicles and related systems proceeds with attention to concerns that are primary to the PE, namely safety and ethics. NSP has been collaborating with the California Department of Motor Vehicles which is tasked with creating the first state-level regulations for autonomous vehicles. Society leaders have participated in stakeholder workshops and submitted formal written comments calling for the involvement of PEs in autonomous vehicle safety certification. Stacy, you have some news from NSPE to share as well, right? That's right. First off is the newly launched NSPE Unite campaign. You may have seen an email about it or maybe some ads in PE Magazine or the website. NSPE Unite is a campaign to bring new professional engineers into the organization, and we need your help. By recruiting new members, you'll be helping to grow NSPE membership, as well as our ability to provide valuable networking opportunities and advocate on behalf of the profession. Bringing in even just one new member by March 31st will get you recognition on our website, in social media, and our newsletters, and the chance to win complimentary registration to the 2016 Professional Engineers Conference or a $500 American Express gift card. All the details and recruiting tools are available at nspe.org forward slash nspeunite. I also wanted to remind everybody that there's still time to nominate engineers for this year's Pegasus Award. The Professional Engineer in Government Achievement and Service in the United States Award recognizes the engineer who has made the most outstanding contribution to the advancement and practice of engineering. The Pegasus Award will honor a registered professional engineer employed by a state, regional, county, special district, or municipal government, and the deadline for nominations is March 31st. And don't forget, we're also still accepting submissions for this year's Milton F. Lunch Ethics Contest. All current NSPE members through their NSPE state societies and NSPE chapters, including student chapters, are invited to participate and match your wits with experienced PEs and engineering students throughout the country. This year, contestants are encouraged to analyze the facts of a real situation regarding the ethics of an engineer who prepared drawings, plans, and specifications for a client's industrial processing facility. Contestants must develop discussion and conclusions about the ethics of the engineer in the case using the format of the NSPE Board of Ethical Review. Entries must be 750 words or less and must be received at headquarters by Friday, April 15th. Great, and we'll also have all those links in our show notes at nspe.org forward slash podcasts. Speaking of words, Matt, you recently spoke with the winner of this year's Federal Engineer of the Year Award, which is sponsored by NSPE's Professional Engineers in Government. Tell us a little bit about him. I'd love to. The 2016 winner was NSPE member Major Josh Aldred, PE, Operations Flight Commander with the 8th Civil Engineer Squadron at Kunsan Air Base in the Republic of Korea. As Operations Flight Commander, Aldred is responsible for the management of 170 military and Korean civil engineers, an annual operating budget of $4.9 million, and the maintenance of over 1,000 facilities. He also successfully defended his doctoral dissertation at the University of Texas last year, and the American Society of Heating, Refrigeration, and Air Conditioning Engineers, which funded his research, is likely to adopt some of the recommendations on carbon filtration from his dissertation and future versions of their standards. He's an accomplished engineer, and I really enjoyed our interview. Let's take a listen.
begin with the obvious. What does this award mean to you? Uh, it's amazing. I, I'm still actually in shock that I, <laughs> that I won the award, given the, the level of competition uh, that was in this room and just the amazing people that were nominated for this award. So it's, it's really an honor uh, to me. Okay, great. Yeah. Given that you have the opportunity right now to speak to a, a fairly large audience of other professional engineers, is there anything you'd like to say to them or any message maybe you'd like to get across uh, about the profession? Or I would say if you have an opportunity to promote STEM education in any way, get younger people involved in engineering, that would be great. When I was a teacher at the Air Force Academy, one of the classes I taught was actually Introduction to Engineering, okay. Air Force Engineering and all the freshman cadets at the Air Force Academy had to take it. And it was a great class because it exposed all the cadets, even if they didn't want to be engineers, it exposed them to different types of engineering that you see across right. the Air Force, including electrical, mechanical, civil, computer engineering as well. So, yeah, it was... It's That's a, great. Yeah. Okay. What, are you, what accomplishment, and there are many, I've read the little bio, um, but what accomplishment are you most proud of as an engineer? I would say my most proudest accomplishment I've had as, as an Air Force engineer during my second deployment to Iraq, we actually helped train Iraqi militiamen uh, engineering skills and construction skills. Okay. Basically, they were uh, fighting against us previously. We had uh, helped turn the tides and were giving them training to basically rebuild their village. And so they took some of those skills and actually can completed that work. Okay. So That's it was great. actually yeah. really rewarding. So. Awesome. And you're currently in South Korea. So I'm curious if working overseas in the area of political tension has taught you anything that you can apply to your work as an engineer regardless of where you are in the world. Yeah, definitely. I, being in a, a place like South Korea where there's a lot of political tension, you have to be dynamic, you have to think on your feet just because mm -hmm. there's things are changing daily as far as the situation on the ground. So being an engineer and thinking, using critical thinking skills, right. uh, you can use those anywhere. And okay. being in Korea has definitely made me use, rely on those skills a lot more than typically being back right. in the States. Right. Okay, great. And the last thing, you're an NSPE member, so I'm curious you know, why you joined NSPE and, and how that may have helped you as a professional engineer throughout your career. Sure. When I was a senior in college, I had a professor that he was pushing us to get uh, our EIT, basically start the licensure process. A lot of us were kind of grumbling about it. <laughs> he was actually assigning grades as part of the class to you know, go take the test and everything. And right. I remember that, and then I look back, and I really appreciate that he pushed us to, to pursue our professional engineer license. And in fact, as soon as I could take the test, I did. My first, my first attempt, I was able to, right. to pass. Okay. Yeah. And I always look back and thank him for that. Professor Craig Roberts is my uh, highways design teacher. I'm glad that he pushed me to do that because I learned as a, a professional engineer, obviously there's some great respect that comes with that, but also a lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason I was interested in joining NSPE is just being able to collaborate with other engineers across the country, learn from their mistakes, learn you know best practices. I think it's a great community to, to pull into, especially if you're a PE. Right. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for your time, and again, congratulations. All right. Thank you. The awards ceremony was a great way for NSPE to celebrate Engineers Week, uh, but it wasn't the only way NSPE celebrated, was it, Stacy? No, it wasn't. As most of you are aware, we recently wrapped up the 65th anniversary of Engineers Week, and it was truly an amazing week of outreach, positivity, and for promoting engineering. Thank you for all that you do to help promote the week's events and the profession. I just want to briefly share some of the major highlights of this year's Engineers Week. The Future City competition was held their national finals on February 16th. 
Since last fall, 40,000 middle school students from 1,300 schools have been engaged in the Future City competition. This year's challenge, Waste Not, Want Not, challenged students to design waste management systems of the future. This year's winner was from the Academy for Science and Foreign Language in Huntsville, Alabama. Second place went to Harborview Academy in Rockwall, Texas, and Harborview will receive a $5,000 scholarship for its STEM program sponsored by NSPE. And this year's winner of the NSPE Special Award for Competent and Ethical Engineering went to the New Lebanon Junior Senior High School in Albany, New York. This year was also the first Global Day of the Engineer, bringing together the international community to celebrate the accomplishments of engineers, give students the chance to experience engineering, and share the amazing innovations engineers create every day. Global Day asked people to pledge to commit to sharing engineering and received over 1,250 pledges from around the globe. Not bad for an initial program. Girl Day, also known as Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day, also saw a successful outreach with over 798 women engineers and engineering students signing up to be role models to show girls how creative engineering is and how engineers are changing our world. And last but not least, NSPE again participated in the super successful Discover Engineering Family Day at the National Building Museum in Washington, D.C. This year, kids got creative with engineers at over 20 hands-on engineering activities, including NSPE's always popular Popfly Catapults in Action, which saw kids building their own catapults out of basic materials and launching ping pong balls at a play castle. Over 8,000 parents and kids attended the event, so it was crazy, but tons of fun. And as much as the last month focused on outreach, another key area of importance for NSPE is ethics and ethical practice. And Danielle, you recently discussed an ethical case, right? That's correct. PEs and engineering firms engage in public projects where it's their duty to serve the public interest. There are times when the use of eminent domain comes into play when serving this interest on public projects. I recently discussed with NSP legal counsel Arthur Swartz the ethical obligations of PEs during these types of situations. Art, thank you for joining me today to discuss the professional and ethical obligations of PEs and firms involved with public projects. Thank you so much, Danielle. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, great. Um, Art, the use of eminent domain has popped up in the latest news headlines and has even come up as a contentious topic during a recent presidential debate. Uh, most recently, the New York Times reported on a federal Superfund project involving cleanup of the Gowanus Canal in Brooklyn, New York, and the placement of an 8 million gallon sewage retention tank. The EPA, according to this February 23rd article, favors placement underneath a public playground, which provides an inexpensive and less time-intensive option for project completion. However, uh, residents are upset that they could lose use of what's already limited green space in the city, in addition to access to a swimming pool for almost 10 years. An alternative option involves the city purchasing private property that is actually in a better location, but the company that owns the land doesn't want to sell. Pursuing this alternative option would push the city to use eminent domain and possibly incur a legal fight from the company. What are the professional and ethical obligations of PEs and their firms during these types of situations if they're involved in a project like this that involves eminent domain? So, Danielle, you know, that's a great question, and, and that's a thorny, uh, complicated issue. And, you know, we've got to start with the basic uh, primary obligations of the professional engineer to the public, also obligations to the employer client, and then uh, also obligations to other professionals and other parties. And so, 
it's really important to understand that those three obligations are uh, never mutually exclusive. They're, they're reciprocal, and they need to be considered at all times, and that's how you achieve ethical integrity. So from that, we take away there are basically seven principles uh, when we're talking about the obligations of the engineer, public health and safety, competency, being objective and truthful, avoiding conflicts of interest, confidentiality, and, you know, a few other issues like providing compensation, where that comes from, and then also emerging issues, emerging challenges, new issues that engineers face. So when we're talking about public health and safety, it's really important when engineers are involved in a situation that you described to make sure that they're meeting the applicable standards when they're signing ceiling drawings, when they're exercising responsible charge. If they see situations where their judgment could potentially be overruled, they're aware of any illegal practices. Very, very important. When it comes to competency, they want to make sure they have the experience when they accept an assignment. So when we're talking about a situation where uh, determining feasible options on the situation that you're describing, okay. all those provisions apply. Okay. And is there anything we can learn from a Board of Ethical Review case that addresses eminent domain? Yeah, because we uh, recently had a case involving a professional engineer with a firm that was contracted with a state to provide a road connecting two towns and had to determine the shortest route between those towns and then learned that the shortest route would require impacting a family farmhouse that existed for over 100 years to make the route work. And the owner had to make a determination as to whether he wanted to sell. The engineer existed that public eminent domain could be used to condemn the farmhouse and allow the state to proceed with the design. And the question in that case was what was the engineer's obligation under those circumstances. And public health and safety, a very, very important consideration that had to be weighed in that case. You know, you have to balance. And this is really what it is. These complicated cases, whether it's a public or private issue relating to eminent domain, uh, you want to make sure that whatever you do, you conduct the necessary investigation, that you make sure that any statements you issue are done in an objective and truthful manner. The engineer is really not in a role to be an advocate in these kinds of situations. The engineer really has to do the fact-finding, do the legwork, provide the report, the study, the analysis, provide that information to the public policymakers to let them make their decision, but do it in a way that's consistent with the public interest because that's really the role of the engineer in these kinds of situations, to try to balance all of those considerations and make sure that ultimately the decision that's made by the public authorities are done in a way that's consistent with public health and safety. So, you know, it's a lot of issues to consider on the part of the engineer, but it's got to be balanced and thought through very, very carefully. Okay. Well, it seems like these ethic cases rarely have easy answers, but it's lucky that we have BER cases to provide these sort of advisory opinions to sort of help bring clarity to the issues that engineers face daily. So I want to thank you so much for your insight, and, um, especially on this topic of eminent domain, and look forward to hearing more from you uh, in the future. Glad to do it. Anytime. It's always great to hear Art's perspective on these cases. Yes, it is. Perhaps our listeners can see if they can take a shot at being ethics experts like members of the Board of Ethical Review by examining the case described by Art. Uh, in this case, a PE works for a firm that has a contract with the state to specify the route for a road connecting two towns. The PE determines that the shortest workable route would save drivers 30 minutes from what would otherwise be a two-hour trip. However, in order to build the shortest route, the state would be required to address the impact to a historic family farmhouse on the land required for the route. The owner of the house has no interest in selling it to the state or to anyone else. 
The PE is aware that the state can exercise eminent domain, which will allow the state to proceed with the design and construction of the new route between the two towns. In this case, what are the PE's professional and ethical obligations under the circumstances? How should she advise her client? The BER case and the answer will be revealed in the next NSP Speaks podcast. In the meantime, our listeners can send their answers to the email address podcast at nspe.org. And ethics is just one area in which NSP offers resources and benefits to members. In our next segment, we'll highlight a few others. That's right. For example, did you know that NSP offers members access to 15 free online courses each year to help them earn professional development hours? Members can access courses on ethics, leadership, and project management topics 24 hours a day by visiting the PE Institute webpage. And did you know that NSP offers a number of tools to help boost your career? The Online Career Center provides access to a job board, mentoring program, salary information, resume writing services, in addition to career-related articles from PE Magazine. And did you know that NSP held its first virtual career fair on February 11th to connect employees and job seekers in a private online environment? So everyone should definitely watch for details on future virtual career fairs. Another did you know. Did you know that NSPE founder and professional engineer David Simon was also a poet? It's true. He authored poems and he was featured in publications, including the New York Times. For our final segment, I want to introduce you to another engineer who works on both sides of his brain, an EIT who strives to bring together the technical with the arts. Nehemiah Mabry is not only a bridge design engineer for North Carolina-based Simpson Engineers and Associates, and he recently completed a PhD in structural engineering and mechanics, but he is also founder and president of STEM Media, a company that provides creative and inspirational content for the science, technology, engineering, and math community while taking a special interest in underrepresented minorities. One of its projects is a STEM poetry slam, following the tradition of performance-based spoken word poetry at North Carolina State University. The open mic style event with prizes provides a creative outlet for STEM majors, including engineers, and helps challenge stereotypes about those professions. It also helps connect underrepresented minorities with engineering and STEM in more relatable ways. Here's my chat with him and his poem performance. Hi, Nehemiah. Thanks for talking with me. And I'd love to hear a little more about the Technometric Poetry Slam that you recently held, and I know it was the second year at your alma mater, NC State. A couple of years ago, I decided to try something fun as a student. So STEM Media started as just a extracurricular initiative. I started as a graduate student at NC State. And one of the things I did was to put together a, uh, a video that I wanted to do to kind of just encourage everyone else in engineering. And so the video was of me reciting the poem that I had written, incorporating a lot of the technical uh, terminology and concepts from my engineering classes, but, but sharing it in a way and, and sharing a message that was more inspirational, more encouraging, um, and just essentially telling my fellow students to stay with it, that we had a great future ahead of us if we just persevered and stuck through the courses. And so from that, the idea came about where we said, hey, why don't we try to put together an entire event around this idea uh, of STEM, technical concepts, and poetry? And being a, an artistic, expressive person myself, in addition to being, you know, a technically-minded person, uh, I thought that was a fantastic idea. So I got with a team of individuals, primarily another student group, 
on campus, the National Society of Black Engineers, really bought into the idea, as well as um, a minority engineering programs department. And we all kind of got together, along with other sponsors, and decided to, to host this event. We decided to try to hold it again this year. Man, I just really enjoyed it, and we look forward to doing it again, making it an annual thing. Tell me a little bit about why this event is important. You know, I think it's really, really, really important. First of all, of course, many of us know that there's been a big STEM push for science, technology, engineering, math in our country as we realize that we have, as, as a nation, been kind of falling behind in the areas of math and science. However, as this emphasis continued to grow, many people began to rightly recognize the importance of the arts being included. And so some people decided to, to promote, you know, from STEM to STEAM and things of that nature. Personally, I think that, that, that both are very important, primarily because when we look at the real world and the problems that engineers face, the answers are hardly ever like the ones we get in the classroom. Right? They're hardly ever this linear, there's one answer that we have to make sure that we match at the back of the book. But considering all of the constraints, considering all of the different uh, environmental things that may happen, the answers really depend. And so when you get into design and you get into problem solving, it requires a creative mindset to be able to uh, provide a solution that is most efficient within the STEM discipline. And so we thought that this, this poetry it was an awesome opportunity to promote creativity and to show a different side of engineering. Wonderful. And so we'd love to hear you perform a poem for us. Take it away when you're ready. So the engineering poem that I mentioned is actually available online, but this is another piece that I wrote for the show uh, related to STEM. The purpose of this, this piece was just to inspire students, once again, to, to be encouraged. So my hypothesis, it's amazing how pop this is. In 93, Tupac just says, keep your head up. And yeah, that's a setup, because I sense you're getting set up. Many of you caught up in the struggle want to let up, but you can't. Man, I can't. See, I've been at it for a while, and I haven't reached the last mile yet. So I let out a huge sigh, hence all the hard fouls, tech. A move of God is on the way. I can hear the engineering my path. So I even made a list of my goals so I can see my future is a number. Math. Sometimes I feel like I can't go more than two steps without dropping the ball. It's traveling. Because of all the D and they plan to outrun my past, it's unraveling. See, the baggage will take the fish out of your fight in no time. <laughs> That's why I like traveling light, like photons. No one said it would be easy, but they said it would be worth it. You can still give the best you have, even if it isn't perfect. Even if the class is bringing oranges and you were bringing apples and you're feeling odd, like the wrong process on the wrong syllables. Don't give up. See, rarely would you ever see life work out algebraically. And I'm going to tell you straight from me, things were rough just lately. But I'm never going to let it see take my tenacity. And even if I attain my dream without fame or celebrity, I'm going to continue to write my story. You write your story in technometric stem poetry. Thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. You can learn more about these efforts in PE Magazine's March-April issue. 
And now, our staff writer, Matt McLaughlin, would like to share an engineering haiku he wrote. Uh, only if you don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm calling this work of my own creation, NG, Numbers Coalesce, Civilization Grows Forth, The Future is Made. NG. Oh, very nice. Uh, Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. All right. <laughs> and what about you all? Uh, we'd love you to send in your own engineering-related poetry. You can email podcasts with an S at nspe.org with either a text version of your poem or an audio file of you performing it. And we may share that in our next podcast or post it online. That's it for our first podcast. Thanks for joining us. Remember to check out the show notes at nspe.org forward slash podcast for links to more info on the topics we've discussed. And please do send us feedback at podcasts at nspe.org. We'd love to hear from you.